Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Purple Podcast. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Switching switching the roll up a little bit today. We decided, you know, this has been going on long enough, and I've kicked Matthew Collar out of the host chair just for now, just for now, just for today, because we've been talking about the same thing over and over and over again, Matthew, for the last, what, three or four weeks? Basically since the end of the season. So it's yeah. nice to kind of, you know, get, the, get a fresh perspective, get a fresh voice, even though our voices are always on this podcast. So It's more like a tight end rotation. So you're like if the Vikings were to sign a free agent tight end, mm-hmm. then they could rotate Kyle Rudolph with someone else. Maybe that's a topic we could discuss at some point on this podcast. I believe that's coming up uh, at the 27-minute mark. No, I don't know what, <laughs> what, what the time is. Who knows how my hosting duties will go, if they will even get us to 27 minutes. But... One week from now is will you know we could potentially be seeing Kirk Cousins on the streets of Minneapolis down at Manny Steakhouse being touted around the town by the Minnesota Vikings. Free agency opens up on March 14th, so by the 15th, you'd think that we potentially could have a bit more clear idea, considering all indications are he's going to sign in Minneapolis. But there are so many rumors out there. There's so much nonsense filling the airwaves my favorite of which has to do with his contract situation. The number that was put out there from a former Redskins tight end who said an agent friend told him, I believe it was Chris, Chris Cooley, correct? Apparently, yes, it was yeah. Chris Cooley. And apparently to some people that qualifies as a legitimate report. I mean, if it's on a blog, if it has a tweet embedded in there, I think that it's legit, no? And if it's a former backup tight end, you got to go with it. I mean, if an agent told him... You always trust agents, right? I mean, is that not what we learned? Like, throughout sports, always trust the agent. Now, it might not be as crazy as it sounds coming from him, though, because Charles Robinson of Yahoo joined us on our station and said that he had heard something similar as well. But if you are the agent for Kirk Cousins, don't you want to put out the craziest, highest, most impressive number possible? Right, that that's what they're looking for because you know that teams are lining up to try and get Kirk Cousins. So I understand why they would put that out there, but I think that anything that we've heard coming out of the combine 
is to be taken with a grain of salt because the real offers still can't come in until March 14th. And that number that we are talking about is the three-year deal, so more of a shorter-term deal, worth a guaranteed $90 million, um, whether that's how much is up front, I guess will remain to be seen. But let's just break this down because it makes sense that you know, the three-year thing to me given everything Cousins wants and the rumors of, you know, you know, when he comes 32 in three years from now, he might want to test free agency again. That part makes sense. But $90 million guaranteed. In talking to capologists throughout the week and, you know, talking to people at the Combine, that number would do something to this quarterback market in free agency that would become unprecedented. I mean, we haven't seen guarantees like that for someone, you know, obviously rookie contracts are mostly guaranteed. I know with, you know, Darrell Rivas a few years ago, there are examples of it at other positions. But how does this change the game? If if these numbers are anywhere close to being true, what happens going forward? So I've heard at least one person throw out the conspiracy theory that Rodgers' camp, Aaron Rodgers' camp, is putting out Kirk Cousins' numbers to try to put pressure on the Green Bay Packers for a potential contract extension for Aaron Rodgers, which is definitely coming down the pike, and so is Matt Ryan. And these are two quarterbacks who are superior to Kirk Cousins, so they would be arguing that they deserve more money than that. But uh, as far as what three years, $90 million Mm -hmm. would do to the Minnesota Vikings, where I think it would hurt the most is just their ability to sign other free agents and stack up this roster. So it ends up becoming kind of an equation. Do you go with one of the current Viking quarterbacks and then try to stack up around them as much as possible with other free agents? Or do you just go all in on the quarterback and and with knowing that you'll still be able to sign Daniel Hunter, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, and Stefan Diggs? That as long as those guys want to stay, I mean, that is another key part of the equation, but the Vikings Mm -hmm. have been good about keeping their top star talent around. So even if you can do that, what are you potentially missing out on with the $30 million? Now tell me more. First of all, I just have to say the fact that there's a thing called a capologist is amazing. I just love that. I love that word because it's like, what do you give the people who are former agents and salary cap gurus? What's that title? Capologist. Capologist. I mean, do you get introduced at parties as <laughs> capologist? So uh, what does your husband do? Oh, he's a capologist. Like, yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, so he likes hats? Well, I would. I don't know. For some reason, it makes me think of like, what's the, who's the person who digs up dinosaurs? Like in the person who deals with fossils. What are they called? Uh, Archaeologist. Yeah. Yeah, so right. it kind of sounds like that. It's, it's similar because you're digging into the salary. You're digging into the cap. You're grinding the cap. Like we grind tape. But to jump back really quick on the whole Darrell Rivas thing that I thought, um, just to clarify that, that was fully guaranteed salaries in 2015 and 16 and part of that 2017 deal, which remember three years ago when they did, when the Dolphins did that same thing, kind of similar with Ndamukong Sue and like just how that's panned out. I think you err on the side of caution here. Um, I had a good quote from Andrew Brandt, who wrote this, um, I think, a little bit recently, just but it's never happened to a veteran player before. Kirk turns 30 in August, um, said, quote, the first person who gets a fully guaranteed contract, if and when that happens, it'll be easier for the next one. But a lot of it has to come from individual negotiations with players who have extreme leverage. In this case, Cousins has extreme leverage. I mean, he's not returning to Washington. He's got four potential suitors in the Vikings, Jets, Broncos, and Cardinals, who are all 
apparently willing to spend top dollar because they are so needy at the quarterback position. But with the Vikings, they're not as needy. I mean, yes, this yes, they need a game changer. They need an upgrade at that spot. But they still have so many other options to choose from if they miss out on Cousins, if that figure is too high, which makes me think all of that guaranteed money, he'd have to take a certain cut. He'd have to lower that standard if it, if he indeed does end up in Minnesota. Number one, the Vikings don't offer huge signing bonuses right up front. That's just like typically not something that they've done. And with their own cap concerns from 2019 um, and beyond and five players that they have to extend, it doesn't seem realistic to me that that figure is attainable if he wants to be on a team that can win right now. So can we put odds on these four teams? I think I think Las Vegas already put them out there. But... I, I know. I saw that. And, and the Vikings are 1-2-3. Three. Yeah. Not 3-1. Three 1-2-3. to one. One one to three. Two, three, Which I'm not a gambler. But I know that means that uh, you'd have to bet $1 to get back three, which is not usually how it works. What do they say? is like uh, there was a term for it. Like it basically the meaning it's like it already happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a little preemptive. There's still five days left. I mean, so if we were going to do another pie chart, as disastrous oh, as the last pie chart went, though, out of 100%, if we were divvying this up between the four teams, I mean, the Vikings get how much percent? 50, 60 more? I'm putting it at like 65 right now just because everything that I heard coming out of the combine and the momentum and steam that this has picked up since then seems to me like all signs are indicating he's going to end up in Minnesota. It's the right fit. They have the money to do it right now, and they've got space that's not going to screw them up for the next few years either. They've got the short-term answer, and their Super Bowl window is only two to three years. So I think it's the best fit, and I think it's just the most realistic option. I mean, it's the last two days has kind of quieted down a little bit ever since it appeared that, like, the Vikings, you know, the Broncos said, well, if they're going to do that, we're going to do this, like the reports that we're hearing out of Denver. and. Seems like kind of the Jets might be that third option there and the Cardinals in distant fourth. So if you are Kirk Cousins and the Jets offer you the most money, but the Vikings offer you the best situation, how do you weigh those things? Let's say that the Jets are down with three years, $90 million fully guaranteed. Because there was that report two weeks ago about $60 million guaranteed in the first year. And then, of course, another report followed that one saying, oh, No, slow your roll. <laughs> I mean, you can really see where the report comes out from an agent and then the report comes out from the team. Wait a minute. And then a report comes out from an agent and then back from the mm-hmm. team. And it just is sort of this ping pong effect. And we really don't know anything as we sit here right now. But I, I think the Jets are a little bit of an intriguing option beyond just that they would pay the most money, but that they're in a position to rebuild their roster with other signings that they could get good really quick. And even though the new England Patriots are in that division, Tom Brady cannot be playing for that much longer. And the bills and dolphins are perpetually mediocre to bad. You would feel like in the AFC, you would have a a chance there and get the most money. I don't think that it's ridiculous to think that he could see the jets as a team on the rise so I think that it's – I might put them even with Denver, and then, yes, Arizona probably way down after that. Um, Arizona seems to be a team that's just floating around in the middle right now. And talk about a team that's in a, a really tough division. With I Yeah, mean, the yeah. NFC West is going to be a lot better. It, he, the last two years, I mean, it's gotten particularly better. And 
he can go. I mean, but the NFC North is going to be tough. I mean, you get Rodgers back and you get a new look Packers team with, you know, front office and, you know, coordinators and just, you know, you don't know what the Packers are going to be, but you know, they're going to be good. You know, Rodgers is going to be back and healthy. So I think, yeah, his best, if he wants to win now, his best bets are probably in two of the tougher divisions, as crazy as that sounds. Is there a sleeper for you in the Kirk Cousins situation? Probably Denver. I think just because of the steam that they've picked up in the last, they don't have nearly as much cap space as Minnesota um, and the Jets. And, you know, I, I think Arizona's kind of like right there comfortably, like in the in their top 15, I believe, in terms of open cap space. But. I think Denver can offer him that shorter-term deal. If he does want to be a free agent again at the time he's 32, then that might be a place you can go get maybe you're getting $45 million guaranteed versus a thing like $60 Because I think $90 is ridiculous. I just think that, that's, that that might be just floating it out there, for, as you said, from agents and, and other parties and other camps uh, to, try, to try to drive that price up for other people, for other players. So We need a camp. I need a camp. I, we need we need something. We need OTAs. I don't mean like an actual camp. I mean like when people talk about us, they should be like, "Oh, the Courtney camp is oh. out there." I thought you it. were saying we need camp. Like we need training camp. You're tired of talking about this. I am with you. I'm ready for some football. Oh, I am never tired of talking about quarterback situations as much as some <laughs> people on Twitter maybe, and I get those tweets. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. I with just this. can't wait until if they do sign cousins, what that's going to look like the first OTA session, how much media is going to be out here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's just like we pick up right off, picked right up off where we were that week of the Eagles game. It so. is amazing how often since I moved here before the start of 2016, that the Vikings have been the top story in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like across the league, I think right now they are and their off season is number one of any team the most interesting and it's been from Teddy's situation to Adrian Peterson to the playoffs to Case Keenum to the Minneapolis miracle it's felt like we've been in the spotlight here for a long time um but anyway my sleeper on this I was thinking outside of the top four that the team okay. so there the four have been mentioned by Adam Schefter which usually means that it's pretty much gold but if anyone is going to come in, I, I say this because Peter King floated it out there that he's like, hey, no offers have been put out there officially yet. So nothing is real until it starts being official. I think Cleveland is a legit sleeper here. There was some talk at the combine. There was, you know, there's we all know tampering happens. No one's accusing anybody of tampering on this podcast, but that there was indeed a fifth team that's interested, kind of that mystery team uh, between Cleveland and Buffalo. It makes me um, really happy that there's a mystery team. I would love for it to come in and stir, like shake things up on Monday. You know, you, you start hearing steam about, okay, well, the Bills are, you know, parting ways with Tyrod. Like, how is this going to work? Could you potentially, I don't, what does you know? What, what's their cap space situation? I mean, they should have a lot to throw at him. They would be able to, yeah. They would be able to afford him. And they've kind of torn things down recently mm-hmm. by trading Sammy Watkins, trading Marcel Darius, letting Robert Woods go. They would have enough money to do it. I just wonder if he would actually want to go there. Uh, It's still Buffalo. I mean, it's just not really a destination where free agents always want to go. But when the money's crazy, then sometimes that changes people's minds. The best argument for Cleveland is those two top draft picks. Yeah. If they were going to draft Saquon Barkley with the number one overall pick and then, I don't know, Bradley Chubb, 
and they already have Miles Garrett, and they already have that offensive line in place. You maybe get a free agent wide receiver or draft Kelvin Ridley or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns go from the laughing stock of the league to a pretty darn impressive team. And they can sign Cousins and still spend. I mean, look at what Jacksonville did last year. They were a joke show at the end of 2016. And then spent Calias Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, Bouye, the the cornerback, Brad, uh, Barry Church they brought in, and all of a sudden they're ten and six. I mean, Cleveland I think could have that similar sort of turnaround if they had a legitimate quarterback. And if they don't screw up what they're doing in the draft, like you know, whether they're actually shopping that first round pick, that a uh, number one overall, I don't know if that's just. I mean, every year they say that, like oh, yeah, every yeah, year, yeah. everybody every says sport, that. so every sport that can trade it, can baseball trade it? I don't think baseball could trade it, but. Uh, in hockey, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah, maybe we'll trade Connor McDavid. Uh, sure you will. <laughs> okay, so let's just put it. Let's put a number on it. What would you say, since we're both kind of in agreement that three years, 90 mil guaranteed? I mean, I, if you're the Vikings, you give the guy what he wants. I think a five-year deal is more for some, for a veteran player like that. I mean, you can obviously give him the option to opt out and, you know, give him, you know, take into account his player option and give him more of that incentive. If you if you had to say it right now, you don't have to go into guarantees or you know what the three year payout would be. But what what is a more realistic in your mind option? I think that the reported what was it for Alex Smith seventy one million? I think so. It's over seventy. I think that it would top that by a little, just because if you're Kirk Cousins, you want to stick it to Washington and say, oh well, I got more than what you gave your guy, like that. I think in that $75 million guaranteed over five years, maybe with the option for cousins to get out after the third year would make a lot of sense. And if you're the Vikings, that's still a lot. It's still going to take up a big chunk of your cap and it's still going to make things difficult. And that's where my hesitation comes from is that when I look at cousins from every objective measure, from every pro football focus stat, to how they played to get him to be successful, to the supporting cast, to the coach, to all those things, and watch every game of 2016, every throw that he made, I come away saying, this quarterback's pretty good. But $75 million or $90 million or whatever it's going to be guaranteed to take up that big anchor of your salary cap, I don't know if he's so much better than the next best option. And that's where I get held up on this, even though I would definitely bet that it's going to happen. And we'll get to that because I know where we're going next is, is he that much better than Case Keenum? I tend to think the fully guarantee that you're going to give him is going to be north of $70 million, maybe 72 at signing. Um, and obviously you can split that out however you want to. Front load the deal. You know, give him cash up front. It's still going to be an average of around thirty million. I think the thirty million one fifty range. That was what I had a few weeks ago. I don't really think I'd stray too far away from that. I just don't think ninety million guaranteed, um, especially in those first three years. Depending upon how you break it down, is um, that that to me seems like a lot. And you so. might want to have just the top overall number. Yeah, like, and I mean, there's you, something to that. And you want to keep your quarterbacks at about a 10% cap hit. And depending upon how you break down these numbers, you could be getting into what was Matt Ryan's thing a few years ago? Wasn't he like 15 or 16% of the cap, like the year that they went to the Super Bowl? I, I think that's kind of what you want to stay away from, especially given this team's Super Bowl window. 
in, in order to keep within this two to three ish year Super Bowl window, you still have pieces that you need to upgrade on the offensive line, on the defensive line, at nickel corner. Um, you know, in a year from now, Stephon Diggs' contract situation is going to be very tough because Adam Thielen's going to want more money. So I think it's just, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, you're not going to go crazy with that type of money with the guaranteed stuff because, I mean, that it sets the market to where. This makes things a lot more difficult for teams going forward, and I don't think any team, for whatever the cost of Cousins, is going to want to set that precedent because, as we know, it's the owners want things in their hands and they want control. So, well, I think that you touch on something interesting with this Cousins formula, though, that when you look at what is happening to Seattle, as Richard Sherman's likely mm-hmm. to get cut, Michael Bennett got traded, that the Legion of Boom is of the past now. And they were uh, an anomaly to begin with, with a defense that strong, as are the Vikings. I looked at it last year. Teams that were top five defenses and what happened to them in three years, they very rarely stayed top five defenses. And the Vikings have done that under Mike Zimmer for three straight seasons. So they're already an anomaly. And Seattle was kind of the same way. Eventually, all defenses fall apart. Even the all-time great Ravens defense, Seattle's defense now, And so if you are arguing for Cousins, if you really do like Cousins as an option, Mm -hmm. that's the best argument is that this defense is good right now coming off being number one in the league, and you've got a chance to take advantage of it. You've got to do the best thing you can. But I wonder if to remain the number one defense next year, considering their schedule and considering the injuries happen, if they would have to spend money to sustain that. You know what I mean? Like that they would have to bring in Sheldon Richardson or or that they would have to sign another corner or something that they would have to spend assets to have better depth, better rotation Mm -hmm. with the pass rushers. The pass rush fell apart toward the end of the year, especially when Everson Griffin got dinged up. So it's kind of, again, goes back to that formula. But I think if you are arguing, if you're a Kirk Cousins guy and you want him, that's your biggest argument is that. They're in position to win now. I don't think it's that he's worth it. I don't think there's any way you can twist it and finagle it to make him worth it outside of looking at his fantasy yards totals. But uh, otherwise, I think that's that's the best case that you can make. So where do you see the biggest, I guess, just asset of having Cousins? Because as you said, it, it, there's this, I think within Vikings fandom, there's this there's a hinge of this group that wants to give Case Keenum another shot, wants to see if he can replicate that 12-3 and regular season success. And also um, there's the group that doesn't want to let Teddy Bridgewater go because we don't know where his ceiling is. I mean, if you let him go now, he could potentially be a top-10 quarterback for many more years to come. He's 25 years old. The Vikings know about his knee and just how well it can hold up in a game better than anybody else. So you'd be almost like throwing away two years. And then there's a group that wants to see what Sam Bradford can do, but – that's, I think, the riskiest, like, um, would you be bullish or bearish? I don't know. What's the stock market term there? Be it, would it be more bullish on Sam Bradford? I, as a pure economist, <laughs> would guess uh, bullish is what you're looking for, but I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, but it's just, I mean, the risk there is huge, but I think the reward, personally, with all three of them, the reward's the greatest with Sam Bradford. But, so the Vikings don't tag Keenum on Monday. So that that window closes, it goes past. They have it was it one Monday or t- excuse me, on Tuesday they don't tag him. So they that was going to be a 23 million dollar cap hit. Now he hits free agency. Are we so sure that the Case Keenum era in Minneapolis is over? 
See, I thought that there was a good argument for tagging him, which would just tag and trade. Why not? Or trade or or, franchise. Even excuse me, transition tag. I think would have been actually. I mean, it's a it's two it's two million and less. Right. Yeah. So maybe tag him with something. If someone comes in with an offer that blows you away, okay. Or you could then draft one of these quarterbacks. And even though the Vikings pick at thirty. They could still move up. I mean, last year Kansas City did exactly this. You could have followed exactly what Kansas City did, which and they had more of a guarantee at quarterback. So maybe that's the difference. But they moved up from twenty seventh to tenth to take Patrick Mahomes. That could have been in the cards potentially for the Vikings, though. Maybe this quarterback class is a little stronger. Uh, so th- I think there was an argument for franchise tagging him. Since they didn't. I wouldn't entirely put him out of the conversation now, even though I've never believed he was going to be able to keep this up. If he was able to repeat what he did last year, he's about as good overall in the grand picture of things as Kirk Cousins on an average season. In fact, the highest rated Kirk Cousins ever has been by pro football focus is ninth. Last year, pro football focus had Case Keenum ninth. And both of them in those years had great supporting casts. Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, good offensive lines, all those things. So I do wonder, at their best, are they kind of similar in where they rank? And wouldn't Case Keenum be a lot cheaper? Where do you draw the line? Because I think that that, with Ke- with with Cousins and with Keenum, style-wise, two completely different quarterbacks. But statistically, I mean, you know, the first place I would go to look when you're looking to compare players fourth quarter. Keenum didn't really Keenum had a much better defense. Yet you can't test him on that as you could with Kirk Cousins. They both are very similar in terms of play action being a strength of theirs. What's the deciding factor? Because I just feel like we look at this in such a in such a bubble where it's like, "Oh, he's had four three straight 4,000 yard passing seasons and he made a pro bowl." Like that, that, I don't think that that's enough. Right. John Kitna went over 4,000 yards once. I mean, it's the same. It's the reverse Teddy Bridgewater 14 touchdowns thing. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, fantasy football, Kirk Cousins would make you happy. But a closer look is him struggling in the fourth quarter when they were down by one score, him mm-hmm. struggling on third downs. He Pro football focus this year rated him 31st, graded him on third downs, 31st. Is that, is that third, like just total third downs or third and long? Because we know Keenum struggled on third and long. Keenum struggled on third and long, but this was just overall third downs. That was his grade, and that's kind of been his history, except for the in 2016, he was pretty good and I think that they stacked up the supporting cast for him that year and they let it deteriorate deteriorate last year because Garcon and Jackson left and then you saw his play go back down you would say kind of the same thing for Case Keenum that when he had a really bad supporting cast really bad in uh, with the Rams he was really bad that this is not a quarterback who can bring up bad players but can do just enough to win or have good statistics when he's got good players around him that's the kind of the similarity. The only difference that I see between the two is that Cousins does have a better arm. Yeah. So so you might say that Cousins could make more throws into tight windows or down the field, especially down the field, and you can hit Thielen, you can hit Diggs down the field on throws like that, where we saw Case Keenum float a lot of deep balls and come up short quite a few times. His deep ball numbers ended up being very poor by the end of the year. At the same time, Over the last three years, Kirk Cousins has the most fumbles in the NFL of any quarterback. I mean, any player. 
and Keith Keenum had one last year. He, he did have one in the NFC Championship game, but he had one fumble last year. Like he's not a guy who's often putting the ball on the turf, and those that's a big turnover difference between Ke- uh, Cousins who fumbled thirty-one well, times. How much of that can you blame it though on their offensive the discrepancies between the offensive line and the protections that he had, so he wasn't getting hit? I mean, I think that. Uh, in his best year, Cousins had a great offensive line when they were healthy. Last year, they didn't. Yeah. But just over the three-year sample, I think he's had good and bad. What's interesting to me, the stat that I ran across, is both of them have quick, short-passing offenses. Even though Cousins is better at throwing it down the field because his arm is stronger, he also throws overthrows and, and picks that way too. Uh, but both of them last year averaged around eight yards per attempt in terms of like air yards per throw. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think that Jay Gruden did a lot of the same things to help Kirk Cousins that Pat Shermer did to help Case Keenum. And the only difference between them is that sort of be- Cousins being able to launch it better down the field. But at the same time, he turns it over more often. So you're saying with screens and with, you know, just quick, get get the ball out, dump it off. I mean, yeah, that, that does seem like that's what predicated a lot of Case Keenum's success, and we both know how well they perform, you know, utilizing play action. I mean, Cousins was kind of the, the mark for that for so long. Um, okay, so, I mean, we, we don't know if he's that much better. I think Mike Zimmer kind of alluded to that, too, with his comments of get it out now, kind of like, you know, so if this doesn't – if this goes – if this hits the fan in a few years, he can look like, well, you know, I wasn't all in on Cousins. I, you know, I didn't want to overpay for a quarterback, and I feel like they're probably going to have to do that. But let's say that they don't. Let's say that they miss out on this altogether. They have a lot of other options. I mean, they're, I think, better in a better situation than with the Jets. I mean, what are the Jets going to do? Resign Josh McCown, who's, I think, 39 this year? That's an option. I mean... Everything. I don't know if he's still a starter. The Jets he's, should draft one. Like they should probably draft a quarterback. He's, he was a good bridge quarterback for sure. Um, but I think with the way that the Vikings' plan shakes out, um, you have a lot of Plan Bs and a lot of Plan Cs and even some Plan Ds. I'm not necessarily in the camp that Keenum is going to, you know, he run the table essentially with Minnesota. I mean, he could field competitive offers from you know places like uh, Arizona and, and Denver and even I mean maybe his I, I've heard Teddy Bridgewater's name pop up a lot more with the Jets conversation but even if he comes back to the Vikings with an offer sheet um, and asks them to match I don't know if they will go there uh, I wrote something today because I took a look at just how the cap situation would work out and potentially how Sam Bradford might be their best option financially given He's not going to get a lot of guaranteed money after. I mean, he can get a one-year deal, and he's probably not going to get a lot of guaranteed money beyond 2018. Do you see that as the most realistic plan B, or is there something else? I think that Teddy Bridgewater is still number two for me, that if they don't get cousins that we're talking about Bridgewater. In fact, before the combine, I had Bridgewater as number one. But then all the buzz came out that Cousins is locked into the Vikings, so then it seems much more like that's going to happen. But I think what we heard from Zimmer at the Combine was that he still loves Teddy Bridgewater as much as he's ever loved Teddy Bridgewater. He also that, said he loves Sam. I love, that, all, I love all three of them is what he said. Yes, but I mean with Bridgewater, it's always of course, of the course. heart of a lion, he said. I mean, from the day they drafted him, he's called him a winner and... He went 17 and 11 as a starter for Zimmer. So we know that how he feels about him. I still have that as number two. 
But the Bradford option does become more intriguing as we go along because you wouldn't have to lock into him, which I think is what you're getting at, is that his knee issues are so uh, well-documented, and then the coach says degenerative when he's referring to it, that there might not be other teams who say, oh, yeah, you're absolutely our starter. Where I think with Bridgewater, Arizona, or the Jets, they might say, okay, you are going to be our starting quarterback. So if the Vikings are the only team that would say, yes, you're going to be our starter, and then potentially draft a guy who drops or trade up, trade up or try to sign AJ McCarron and tell him he'll compete for a job. Cause I'm not sold that AJ McCarron is a starting quarterback for a team guaranteed that there is definitely a scenario where Sam Bradford is starting week one for this team. And I think Minnesota may be the only team given they know his knee, just like they know Teddy Bridgewater's knee probably better than any other team out there. Um, that they would be willing to take that risk. It's it's a high-risk, high-reward situation because I think he is, at the end of the, the day, the most skilled quarterback, by far strongest arm on that team. That's what Zimmer talked about last week at the Combine after he you know laid it all out there about his knee and that he was going skiing and um, you know all of that. But you take a look back at like what he did in 2016. You know, he didn't have the best defense around him. His offensive line fell apart. But he still performed. He led the league in completion percentage and then adjusted completion percentage on throws 20 yards or more, which I think is a really strange statistic because he was checked down Sam or whatever everybody called him. Um, and he still was performing at that high of a level that you know he has a Cousins-type arm. He can hit the deep ball. It was just an offense that wasn't made for him to do that. If and, he, and the offensive line played a huge role Yes, in and too. I mean, yeah, everybody was injured. And they had... 20 different rotations, but if he gets in John Filippo's system, who has a history with him, they were together a brief time in Philadelphia in the 2016 preseason, I don't think Sam could ask for a better situation than being here in Minnesota. No, I, yeah, I agree with that, and especially with the chemistry that he already has with this team, uh, with Diggs, Thielen, they know how he performs. The big criticism of Bradford wasn't that he could or couldn't throw down the field. I, I would put him among the best in terms of your pure arm talent in the entire NFL. He's the number one overall pick for a reason, but he's kind of like Alex Smith and most of Smith's career put last year aside where there were a lot of times that you needed a play. You needed a big throw from him that he went the safe route. He went with the right play as opposed to trying to force it into a tight window, even though you know he can. And that was frustrating, and it was the third down numbers were not very good for him too. Uh, and there were several instances where they had the ball needing to score on a final drive and came up short. One in Detroit, he threw an interception. One against Washington where they were on a final drive. Another pick there. And that was the frustration with Bradford. But with an offensive line, you could probably get quite a, a bit out of him. I think that him and Bridgewater are just different. Mm -hmm. That Bridgewater is is very Tony Romo or Philip Rivers-like, where he doesn't have the strong arm, but he is so accurate. And he also has sort of this gamerness to him where he seems to be able to find those those plays, extend those plays. That's one thing that Bradford simply cannot do is extend a play. And that's what concerns you about Bridgewater is will he still be able to extend a play because that was part of his value. Um, but going back to, to what you're saying about his skill set and how he performed and the last impression he left on the team, which was week one, more or less, counting out Chicago, I can see why Mike Zimmer absolutely loves Sam Bradford's talent. 
So you say, okay, so your plan B option is Teddy Bridgewater. Mine is Sam Bradford, at least just now, Thursday at four, whatever, because this could very easily change given the circumstances of free agency. I think you think Bridgewater should be a wide receiver. Whoa, are you throwing out? I mean, you could you could get pretty deep with that, <laughs> given this is a very topical. I mean, I'm not asking players about their sexuality. I'm not, you know, I'm well, staring clear of anything controversial. What a bizarre thing. Gosh. That the LSU running back that they asked about whether he likes men, men. and whether his mom was a prostitute i mean what good does this do anyone to ask questions like this is this what the wonderlick test is like made of like i mean i know that that's like iq and football stuff but that's all like kind of encompassing like why have that if you're going to be asking like ridiculous questions like they're they're right now in football isn't it enough (laughs) i think that there is a bunch of john d filippos who are very smart people who are analytical in their approach who believe that the players are smart and should have a say in how they go about things. That's my impression of John Filippo, And call maybe even if for basketball fans, the Steve Kerr approach that Steve Kerr seems to be very much a, a player's coach in the right way that he listens to his players, trusts his players, very analytical. And then there's this Bill Polian side of football that just still exists, that there are a lot of people that seem to be in football who have these just, hardened stances on things and they think stuff like that matters but it really really doesn't i mean asking players questions like that is just insane and i i don't know what the guy's response was but i kind of wish that he outed the teams that made those comments yeah i mean that's what does that have to do it's like the josh rosen thing like what does any of this have to do with them wanting to play football just because somebody likes the environment and is maybe we expect to like open their heads and see a giant football just like propped in there. Like that doesn't have anything to do with this whole situation. Like I just don't understand where those questions are coming from. And there, you shouldn't be allowed to ask those questions. I saw Mike Freeman uh, had somebody on Twitter today talking about like what happens if these things happen again. And it's you lose a draft pick, and that person's not allowed, obviously not allowed to come back to the combine. I think that they should be on record, like that these meetings inside of hotel rooms. With the technology that we have, we can all videotape them, and they should be archived and they should be recorded for the NFL to review, I think. If, because if that's how you're actually going to treat these people, these prospects in these meeting rooms, that is completely wrong. I mean, that there, there are laws, man. There are things that you cannot you can't, ask people You can't in a job ask people interview. job interview. Like, that's, why is that not the same? Right. Just, is it just exactly. because you're offering them millions of dollars? I mean, I don't think that's fair. Because it's technically not a job interview, but it definitely is. So the, the, I think that they should have to follow the same standards as any employer should and that all these things should be on the record so teams can get punished if they ask people things like that because that is just completely inappropriate and ridiculous. So wrapping up with quarterbacks because we've got other things we want to talk about. Have so, we talked about quarterbacks? Oh, man, we, I think we've spent at least a good 25 minutes on it. If you want to go more, we can, we, can hit it, we can hit it next week. Um, but – the good thing is with either of those options, if you choose Bradford as your plan, Bridgewater as your plan B, I've got Bradford, they can make adjustments to that offensive line to upgrade the guard spots and at right tackle that potentially they couldn't do if they get Kirk Cousins. So I think that that's a huge benefit to signing those guys because you take much less of a cap hit with both of them and you can still do big things in free agency that's going to you know, affect you years to come because, you know, if they do decide they want to keep Mike Remmers over at guard, 
a $6.4 million cap hit or whatever his is, it's kind of a lot for a guard that was, you know, brought to you as a tackle. So, um, more options there. Obviously there's still time and there's other free agency needs. One, no, one that might not t- potentially be a free agency find, I would tend to think would be more of a um, a draft need, would be finding a number three running back. But you wrote something today about Jarek McKinnon and potentially should the Vikings convince him that he should be a role player. Um, if, you know, the the, the names that were, thro- that were floated out there of places that he could land, okay, maybe he loves Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer loves him, maybe he goes there... Um, and becomes, you know, part of a tandem. Well, what if they draft Saquon Bartley number two? Well, what about the Panthers? They released Jonathan Stewart last week. He's got a relationship already with Norv Turner. Is that a fit? But why do you seem? Why are you so confident that a role here is better than what he could face out in the open market? Well, I do think that the situation in Carolina would be good for him, for Jarek, okay. because that he's a versatile player, and they have Christian McCaffrey, who is not a pure running back, and neither is Jarek, really. I, you have two pass-catching running backs, yeah. essentially. And both can line up in the slot. Both can be wide receivers. And still, no one has gotten Cam Newton a wide receiver. since His entire career, no one... They just refuse to get Cam Newton a wide receiver. Well, the Vikings have one or two that they could potentially have if they won in free agency, won via trade if they want to. Well, they did try to pick up a former Viking in Charles Johnson last year, but uh, he got hurt and was not actually really good anyway uh, but uh, th- I think that that situation would be well a fitting one for Jarek McKinnon why it would be right for the Vikings to make the phone call to see if he was interested in coming back twofold number one you could create a bunch of cap space by letting go Latavius Murray mm-hmm. about 4.9 million dollars and then even more for next year and I think if you're giving me a choice between the two I would prefer Jarek McKinnon because I think he fits in a similar running scheme as Delvin Cook, so you wouldn't have to flip back and forth between zone and power. Uh, I also think that the receiving is much better, and he was one of the best receiving backs in the NFL last year. He became a very good pass protector, which was an issue, I think, early in his career, but now McKinnon can do that. So it's kind of like outside of the red zone, where we know that Delvin Cook's going to run it in every time anyway, it, when you compare Murray to McKinnon, it's like everything that Murray does well, you already have in Delvin Cook or McKinnon can do better. It would be worth it, I think, probably for the Vikings to let Murray go and bring McKinnon back if he were willing to be part of a duo, understanding that Delvin is the guy. But I have a tough time thinking that there's another team out there that says, oh, yeah, Jarek, you're going to carry the ball 250 times. I just can't see that. I think a tandem is probably his best bet. And now, as you mentioned with, with Carolina, is probably the best fit. I just don't think New York. I mean, if they do end up going after Barkley, if the Browns do draft a quarterback um, and, and they try and they don't, um, I just don't see that being the best fit. Could he come back here and be in a role? I mean, he he stressed early on, um, and he was on a, stressed early on that he wanted a more increased role. Can, can that happen here? I think it can because you don't know how you know Dalvin's supposed to be back. Um, but come, they want to. They've even said last week that they want to change his workload up and not run him into the ground because that was kind of on the verge of happening. Um, where you saw him, you know, four weeks in had the second highest workload total behind Todd Gurley. That can't happen to him because they they're expecting to contend for you know another very long 
18, 19, 20 game season, where I think Jarrett could have a much bigger role here, but it would have to be upon the departure of Latavius Murray, as you said. And I mean, we'll know about that at least in terms of this year by March 16th before the time, like his, you know, five, over 5 million of his 6.3 cap hit becomes guaranteed if they don't restructure. Now, if you didn't sign Kirk Cousins and you had all the cap room, you could try to keep all three. And the argument for that you don't have to look very far is the Philadelphia Eagles or even, I mean, New Orleans had the two running backs and they use them a ton. Mm -hmm. So that would be another example of a team doing that kind of evening out the workload between two very talented players, even though Kamara is probably the better player Mm -hmm. uh, using them both equally in both the pass and the run game. But Philadelphia had three and they had LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Clement and AJ Ajayi or Jay Ajayi. Mm-hmm. And Ajayi is a number one back. He's a guy that carried it like 200. They, they had two times. number one backs. I think that you can, you know, absolutely argue that. Didn't Blunt lead the league in carries or was in the top five mm-hmm. the year before? So they had two number one backs and they only gave it to Ajayi like 10 times a game on the ground, but he averaged 5.6 yards a carry after going to Philadelphia. And even if you feel like, oh, man, Delvin Cook is the best player out here, so he should be getting the ball, when you're ahead in games and trying to grind out the clock and things like that, you wouldn't have to do that with Delvin Cook, who's your most talented player. And and that's kind of what Philadelphia did with LeGarrette Blunt. And even when he was with the Patriots, they would have uh, Deion Lewis, who would do a lot of their uh, pass catching and running and then they would kind of grind out the clock with LeGarrette Blunt or in the red zone. I think basically what they should try to do is if they don't get Kirk Cousins, every single position you could possibly upgrade, every area where you could stack talent, you should just do it. Because that's what the team that just won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles did. And they continue to do it, as we talked about with Michael Bennett. Um, and the changes that they may have. I mean, we've talked about Nick Foles, whether he's going to get traded. I mean, they're shopping around offers. They're continually like the rich get richer. It just kind of feels like that's the case with Philadelphia. Um, and who knows what will that'll be in free agency. Are you uh, done with the Foles to Minnesota take? Or are you first off? I was never on the Foles to Minnesota take. I pointed out an option, but I am, I, I do. Okay. So on paper, it makes complete sense. Dude just won a Super Bowl. His quarterback's coach is now the offensive coordinator. They could get Trey Burton in there too. It wouldn't. I mean, it'd be. It's. It's. It's not as expensive just in terms of salary cap as you'd think. But then it's. They're going to drive up the price for him. They want another first and fourth round pick. The Vikings just went through this. Um, and the player, you know, that they got on, I believe, in that fourth round pick was a guy who had the the strip he, strip sack in the area, um, the recovery for the, the fumble recovery in the Super Bowl. So that probably felt great uh, for Rick Spielman and his staff as they watched the Super Bowl. Um, but, anyways, I'm off. The, I I don't believe that that was a realistic option to begin. It was an option you had to float through, but because of the price that they're shopping around for Nick Foles, because they are so desperately in need of more cap space. That's one thing. But I also don't think that they're going to trade him. Why would you do it now when you don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be ready to go week one? So Foles stays an eagle for now, in my opinion. What do you think? I think so, too. I would be really surprised if someone were willing to give up that first-round pick with the other options. I don't remember another year where there were so many good quarterbacks available, even ones with injury questions like Teddy and Sam, four or five starting quarterbacks on the market going in. 
that's really shocking. If you're a team like them, I think you let it play out. And the same thing goes for Buffalo and Miami. If Miami drafts Baker Mayfield, they should just wait to trade Ryan Tannehill until somebody else's starting quarterback gets hurt. Another team market will be higher at that point. Exactly. Somebody else's starting quarterback goes down with, say, a knee injury that's non-contact or something, and you try to pull in a first-round pick for Tannehill. I think that's a better option than, and the same thing maybe even with Foles. Carson Wentz is back. We're good to go. All right, now let's see if somebody else is desperate for a quarterback. Because last year the Dolphins got stuck with Jay Cutler, and it just, like you just had no chance. Cutler didn't really feel like playing, clearly. He just wanted the $10 million over a year, and and they had no shot to be a legitimately competitive team. So if you're that team that gets somebody hurt this time around, well, you you might have better options than you had before, and the price would probably be really jacked up at that point. So let's touch on one more Philadelphia upcoming free agent before we move on to our final thing with Trey Burton. Do you think, I mean, it just seems like this is a no-brainer, that even if they get Cousins and they don't have a whole ton of cap space, to be able to, as you mentioned, help the rotation there at tight end, bring somebody in with a much, I think, more diverse skill set. I mean, hell, he can throw a pass in the, he can throw a pass in the Super Bowl. Um, but it's, to me, everything that I've heard, that this is something that the Vikings do want, given his history with John Filippo and given what asset he can add at really, you know, about a six to $7 million cap hit. It seems to be a poorly kept secret that they're interested, right? Sure. It, it's made more people have made that connection as we've gone along here in the free agency or in the lead up to free agency, rather mm-hmm. Burton ran a four, six, two at the combine and finally got some opportunities last year to show what he can do. He had 23 catches, so he didn't blow your socks off. But there is more potential there for him. The two games that he filled in for Zach Ertz, he had four and five catches and made some impressive plays. He's exactly what they've been looking for with drafting players like Bucky Hodges and Michael Pruitt. And and yet... Those guys in the draft are really hard to find. Every year you go to the combine and it's, look at this tight end. He's the next Jimmy Graham. And they're never the next Travis Kelsey or Jimmy Graham or whoever it's going to be. You don't get those guys in the fourth or fifth round, usually. Every once in a while, somebody shows up and does it. But I think Burton is much more of a guarantee. And then if you wanted to move on from Kyle Rudolph eventually... He is young enough at 26 years old to take over that spot for a number of years. Or if you want to keep Kyle Rudolph for this year and next year, then you have a tandem or really a trio of three excellent tight ends. David Morgan did a great job Mm -hmm. last year, was one of the best run blocking tight ends in the league and caught the ball when they threw it to him. All of a sudden you have a versatility of your offense. And I think that's 2018. I think the, the future is having just as many great playmakers as you can, and then finding all the different ways to use them. Put them in space. Space is exactly where they belong. Correct. So (laughs) we could talk about the offensive line. I think we've kind of beaten that one as much as we have with the quarterbacks. One thing that I don't know if we recapped it from the combine um, quite yet is that three-technique spot with everything Minnesota wants to do in the rotation. You mentioned – Um, just how poor the pass rush was. And that's something that Mike Zimmer, you know, didn't shy away from about the workload for his guys, and particularly Shamar Steffen and Tom Johnson are free agents. 
I'm in the belief that you bring back Tom Johnson, that they potentially want to bring him back, but as in deteriorate, you diminish his role just a little bit because he was playing 70% of snaps um, at the, you know throughout the season, which was just too much. He's thirty four. He's going to be thirty four uh, by the time the season rolls around this year, and I think he's with that position when you want an upgrade next to Linville Joseph. I'm not sure that this defensive tackle group in the draft is going to provide that at least early on to where why not bring back someone like Johnson and draft maybe you know second or third round to be able to find that defensive tackle depth because as we learned you know. Jaleel Johnson, you'd hope that they want to get a bigger role out of him this year too, but you can never have enough depth at that interior position. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. With the depth, and the Eagles have shown us that as well. And I know that you know going back to what the Super Bowl team did, it's not always the formula or whatever, but they had a great roster and they built it through defensive line depth in a lot of ways. So having a guy who can be the pure pass rusher for those situations and a guy who could be a run stuffer. It's worked in the past for them with the draft. There's really one guy that I saw that would be a great fit, but then he had a heart issue at the combine. <laughs> that was who I thought too. I thought Maurice Hurst would have been a great fit at 30 if they wanted to go for a defensive lineman. But yeah, now torn peck, not a big deal essentially because Billy Price was in uh, Todd McShay's first uh, post combine draft. Right, the guard. heart heart issue. Very big deal. Hard issue could be a very big deal. And and I watched a little bit of Hurst. I mean, he's exactly what Tom Johnson is, only a young younger version. Just a guy who could get to the quarterback who's a little bit undersized. And there are other ones that are in this draft that could potentially do that. Uh, but I thought Hurst would be the one who you could step in right away on this defensive line and be able to rush the passer and, and wreak havoc there. Uh, but if he's got the heart issue, then I don't know where he's getting drafted or if he's getting drafted at all considering it sounds like it could be pretty serious. Uh, then it becomes Deron Payne, who's probably gone mm-hmm. from Alabama. And then I'm not sure there's another guy there who you really want to take to be your starter at the three technique position. And then you have to look into the free agency where it does become kind of interesting. The idea of Sheldon Richardson, because he has been a dominant player in the past. I He's just probably going to pull in a lot of money, though. Yeah, I mean, they didn't franchise tag. Seahawks did not franchise tag him. Um, You know, I think in terms of maybe places that would want him, I mean, Tampa Bay, I think, comes to mind as one of, like, the first, you know, based off need and just based on the cost of him. I don't know. So much of this, everything here is based on the quarterback position. We can't tell you who they're going to go after um, on the offensive line and the defensive line because of those – just because of what they're going to have to shell out for Kirk Cousins, which I just think is kind of interesting as you're starting to see the pieces fall uh, with the restricted free agents and and the Vikings trying to bring guys back and kind of putting some caution out that they are trying to squeeze any bit of cap space, just like they didn't pick up um, the the second year, second round tender for Jeremiah Searles, which would have been high, but they could have done, you know, the $1.9 million tender to keep him here. And they chose not to do that. They'll still try to match his offer sheet, but all signs, once again, go back to Kirk Cousins because of how they're trying to get as much cap space available and have as much money available to land the quarterback. And I think that with Johnson, you you can you can make a deal where it's you know less than what he made last year, and you know because he's probably towards the tail end of his career. I mean, he's thirty four, maybe plays another two years, but I think he was a solid rotational player. I mean, he's a starter, but he's a solid in that rotation. I just think that there's other ways you can upgrade that rotation with 
guys that you already have. Yeah, and uh, Shamar Stefan played pretty well. Mm-hmm. If he was coming back to be that run stuffer, I think that's a not a bad idea. Bringing them both back isn't a crazy idea, and add Jaleel Johnson in, in there, but you probably still need one more that can play on the interior. And I think they're going to have to replace Brian Robinson's spot, whether he retires or not, as having another situational edge rusher. Because he was a lot less effective last year and is clearly at, at the tail end of his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he calls it quits. I actually Frees up th- some space, some much-needed space. It does. I actually thought that there was a chance he was going to retire last year when mm-hmm. we saw him in camp. Because it looked like there was a, a step that might have been lost there. Uh, as great as he's been for a very long time, clearly last year it started to slide. And now I think they need one more person to be in there. So you've got to have... Maybe someone who could be on, line up on the inside or outside, something like that. Um, the, the the options are kind of limited here, though, and everybody wants that type of guy. Every team wants a three technique who can rush the passer or a situational edge rusher. So it's probably going to cost some money to do it. And like you said, everything, all roads end up back at Kirk Cousins because he it just controls everything. What what they decide to do and how much money they could possibly spend. Okay. So six days away from now, ever the floodgates open. Technically, I mean, with the legal tampering period started on, starting on Monday, things will get pretty nuts then. But we won't have another podcast until we'll probably do it next Wednesday at the start of free of official start of free agency. Between now and then, what is the craziest prediction you can make for just doesn't have to be Vikings, can be anything else. Will we know? I mean, a good one to throw at it. Will we know about Kirk Cousins? Like, will this? You think it? You think it really go? How how far past the fourteenth? You think it goes? I I think that there's a possibility that it goes a couple weeks. Really? I, I think that he could do a whole tour. Well, they, they LeBron did it. That's true. That he's not LeBron James. Um, he's being treated like it by he some is. People. He is. Um, what what I had been told is that they are not going to take the quote Brock Osweiler approach to this um, in terms of how that was handled in free agency. He wants to go see these places. He wants to be able to, you know, experience what it could potentially be like, get kind of a feel for the teams. But I wouldn't be surprised if this ends next week. I hope it ends next week so we can, you know, I know you love talking about quarterbacks. Just I do. I really do. And it's fun. It brings me joy. It's like grinding tape. Yeah. Well, you could combine the two. Okay. So cousins aside, what is your wild in between now and Wednesday prediction? Mm. I wonder about the Jaguars. Like, I know that they just did the thing with Bortles, but it still sits in my mind that are they really going to go from where they just were with Blake Bortles next year? And, like, could they be a player in this somehow, in, in this thing? Could they come out of nowhere? Um, but them aside, how about Drew Brees? Like, if you're talking wild, yep. if you're talking the craziest thing could possibly happen, it's it's Drew Brees not staying in New Orleans. How has this been so quiet? Like, I mean, Kirk Cousins has dominated the conversation, but you, f- you forget among the other quarterbacks that are your top 15 um, guys with Tyrod Taylor being thrown around there, A.J. McCarron. Um, how has Drew Brees like kind of just like quietly snuck into the background of this free agency thing? I mean, is it that much guaranteed that he's going back to New Orleans? I mean, why was this deal not done before? I mean, maybe the next few days it will be, but it seems like they've let this like wait a little too long for comfort. Because he's said it so many times that he wants to come back, 
we've all just assumed that he's going to. And I would still stand there. I mean, I, I would still stand on he's definitely going to end up back in New Orleans. But if you're talking about craziest possible scenarios, all of a sudden we get to free agency and then, boom, we hear Drew Brees' name is actually on the market and the Minnesota Vikings are involved. And if you think it's impossible, Fred Favre played quarterback here. It's not impossible. That's fair. I like that idea. I thought that – okay, fine. That was that was going to be mine. Maybe maybe something with Richard Sherman for me. That The, the Vikings? No, just no, in no. In general. Oh, with like the, you know, Green Bay? Patriots. Pa- Patriots make too much sense. Maybe the Steelers. Maybe it's spoiled by the Steelers. Who knows? I mean, I think that – as that as we talked about the Legion of Boom coming apart, I think that there's a lot more options on the table for someone. I mean, yes, he's coming off an injury season, but I think that that could really shake up this whole market. Um, obviously, as not in Minnesota, but elsewhere, I think that could be a fun one. But Breeze is probably the number one. Like, what happens if the 14th comes around and starts becoming the 15th and the 16th and next week after that? And yeah. They did say Lamar. They did say Lamar Jackson was potentially the heir apparent to Breeze. That's one one mock draft that um, ESPN had from Todd McShay. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, heck, he gets to stay at quarterback. I think that yeah. <laughs> I think that they do like Lamar Jackson a lot. Just it was a kind of a coincidence that Drew Breeze was at one of the games that Lamar Jackson was playing and really glowed about him in a way that goes beyond just, yeah, he looks like he's a pretty good player Uh, in the game against Purdue. That was the one I was watching back recently. And it was at the Superdome and Breeze just shows up on the broadcast and starts breaking down Lamar Jackson. Um, So that, that was kind of interesting. And it's a great situation for them to draft a quarterback where they are and then hope that that quarterback can take over next year. Or this year. Right. Well, if you're getting tired of free agency, at least it ends somewhat soon. But then the draft nicks and the tape grinders, and they all come out of the woodworks, and we will be talking about it for so much longer on all of our episodes on the Purple Podcast. How, how did I do? How did I do today? Did I do good in my hosting? I think it's like B plus. I B- mean, there's uh, yeah, there's some room to improve. I think is my ceiling is it's my ceiling higher. I think you do have a high ceiling. I think that. The like trying to hold your microphone and type things on your computer at the same time. That's, is a, that's, kind of, that's an acquired skill. Yeah, right. Like you didn't execute it very well. So, you know, there's there's still work to be done. Is um is my twizzle okay? I mean, I know that we haven't brought that word up in a while since the combine ended, but And just no one showed interest in analyzing players by their twizzle, which I was really disappointed at. So your twizzle was fantastic. I mean, I you're the inventor of it. So actually, Tara Lipinski and Johnny oh, that's Ware. Right. Oh, that's right. Are the real inventors of it. I'm just the copycat. That's right. You're just like Buddy Holly, basically stealing rock music from old like yes. blues and rock artists that came before him. Okay. Well, on that note, we are going to end this. Thank you for listening to the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.